Hello and welcome to another edition of the Fabulous Woman podcast. I'm your host, Marvorine Cole, journalist and broadcaster. And this time round, it's Natalie Brown. With her lifestyle platform Time With Natalie and her events brand I Am Bold, Brave and Beautiful, Natalie's a strong supporter of female empowerment. Get ready to hear about her journey from humble beginnings to meeting some of the world's most inspirational leaders. This is a really brilliant listen. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Natalie Brown, Fabulous Woman. Good to see you. You too. And thank you so much for inviting me today. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. And I think, you know, oftentimes when I see your social media, I'm like, yeah, Jessica again. I said, Jessica. <laughs> it's that Jessica. She's amazing. And so, um, you know, I didn't want to keep your secrets to myself. Like, instead of telling everybody how amazing you are, I wanted you to tell everybody how amazing oh. you are. Do you like that? Do you like oh, that? I'm not sure. I can do that, but um, but, um, yeah. So let's start then. I'm going to ask everybody to do this. If you can describe yourself in three words or phrases, um, almost as if they were headlines on a newspaper, who are you? Well, I thought it was interesting, the kind of like suggestions you had, and you were absolutely spot on. Firstly, mother. I am the mother of a beautiful um, 25-year-old young lady called China, um, businesswoman. Um, I started my own business, uh, gosh, when I was around kind of like 20. So, yeah, uh, entrepreneur and businesswoman and woman of faith. I think you were absolutely spot on. Mm. Um, I put my faith and um, forefront of everything I do. So, um, but yeah, I think that kind of describes me in a nutshell. (laughs) Excellent. Brilliant, brilliant. And we're going to drill down on those um, in this time. But uh, tell everyone, what do you do? Almost summing up the kind of that the many hats that you have, because you do all sorts of different things. Actually, as most women do in life now, we juggle different roles. Um, So what do you do? is whenever anybody asks me that I always struggle because what I do they're so different um, from each other so firstly I am an entrepreneur Um, like I mentioned I started my own business quite a few years ago and have kind of dabbled in a number of businesses I used to have a travel company um, a fashion company um, but now I have an online lifestyle channel called Time with Natalie which is all about empowering and inspiring and motivating women and women over 40 specifically yeah we do exist <laughs> exactly and that's the whole reason why I wanted to kind of like target that audience as a woman over 40 myself I just thought it was so important to shine a light on on um, the mature woman because uh, we do tend to feel invisible sometimes so um, entrepreneur but also properties I um, am a property investor um, I had eight houses and I sold two recently um, so yeah I kind of accidentally fell into the whole property um, I don't know <laughs> 
totally delight. I just accidentally just went to the bank and got a mortgage for a property and then <laughs> I know, I know it sounds really strange, but I never kind of like thought I would be buying houses and it was never a case of, okay, I want to own houses and I want to be a landlord and things like that. Um I ended up meeting a fantastic woman who helped me a lot when I was very sick, which I'll touch on um in a moment. But um she helped me a lot and she needed somewhere to live and she didn't have anywhere to live and so I ended up buying a property for her <gasps> and um, I ended up buying more of the houses for people that I know needed somewhere to live and it kind of just went from there. That is amazing. <laughs> That's an amazing story though. So you were buying, you know, to help people yeah. not be on the street or yeah. sofa serving as, as so many people do these days. So that came out of the goodness of your heart. I think that's absolutely magnificent. Oh, thank magnificent. you so much. Thank you so much. Um, and then on top of that, I also organise events. And um, again, in line with the whole inspiring women, specifically women over 40. I just feel like as an entrepreneur, sometimes we can be, we can feel very alone. And if you're, you know, like a solo entrepreneur where you're spending all your time at home working on your business, you really need a community, you really need a group of people to help you and to support you and encourage you. And um, it was funny because I was watching a video of an event that I did a few years back, which you attended. Yeah, you were I actually in the video. No way, really. <laughs> yes. oh, Looking fabulous. Bless you still you. look the same. It's too kind. You have an age. <laughs> what fuck? <laughs> I remember that event. Um, Deborah came with me. One of my um, one of my spas came with me, and uh, we absolutely loved it. Oh, it was incredible. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. And I don't know why I stopped doing them because I think it's important to bring women together. It's important for women to you know come together and support each other. So um, so yeah, I've just launched um, um, new events in Birmingham and London, and um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited well, for that. So um, in terms of these events, and if anyone wants, kind of wants to go to one in the future, what can people expect from um, turning up? Uh, you know, how do you think people will leave? How do you think people will feel when they leave? Mm-hmm. Well, the whole thing around the events is my, my concept is always about being bold, brave and beautiful. So I always want to encourage women to live a life that is bold, brave and beautiful. And... At these events, the goal and the aim for me is to bring speakers in that help women to do that. So to to help women to really kind of um, figure out what it is that they want to do in life. Because I think a lot of times as not just women, but men as well, a lot of times there are things that we really want to do, but fear fear stops us from doing it. So we may end up going down a route that seems like it's the best route for us, but it isn't necessarily the one that we really want to do. It's not where our passion lies. And it's not, more importantly, it's not where our purpose is. So you're climbing the ladder, but the ladder's leaning against the wrong wall. You know, you should be climbing the ladder that's on the other wall facing it. Yeah. So at these events, my my goal is to bring people in that can help others to see what it is that they want to do and to help them achieve it. Um, because as I say, you know, you can't do it on your own. You really do need um, either coaching or training or help with shifting your mindset. A lot of times it's just purely that mindset shift that needs to happen. Mm. Um, and so... I want people to leave with the fact that 
they're encouraged, they're inspired, and they really feel like, yes, I can do this. I really can do this. And also have some fun along the way, you know, because it's a, it's a fun event. Um, there's always goodie bags and free gifts for everyone because we want we want women to feel special. We all love the free stuff. Yes, <laughs> we do. So. But I think you know what you were saying. Sorry, uh, you can hear the squeaky chair as well. That's me. I'm going to try and stop moving around on this chair because <laughs> when I'm nodding with you, like the, the chair goes. <laughs> so that's the chairs are green. The chairs just. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right about um, purpose. Um, like I've never really thought about that before and actually maybe I should because I don't even know whether I am fulfilling my true purpose so you talking about that um, is really important I think everybody needs to take that time to go what am I doing am I um, just working to live what is it working to live or live to work you know one of those ones you know am I doing something that I really want to do or am I just going along with it because it's a job and, you know, it's a salary and it means I can pay the mortgage and pay the loans and all the rest of it. But really, you don't feel fulfilled. Um, and then, you know, you read lots of stories about people who kind of quit their job and go traveling around the world because they're like, well, I didn't like it and I wanted to do this instead. That takes a lot of bravery. Um, you know, I'm not that brave. But um, I, I like what you're saying about, um, you know, helping people kind of think about that um because you do have to live the life your life the best in the best way that you can because you've only got one yeah i totally agree you do only have one and i think that um i always ask people okay if you had a million pounds in the bank so you've got a million pounds in your bank account so you don't have to worry about paying your bills don't have to worry about making money what would you do what job Mm. would you do because like you rightly say, most people are working in certain industries and doing certain jobs because they have to pay the bills and they need the money. Um, but if, if you take that out of the equation and just say, OK, money's not an issue, what would you do? And whatever that is, that's what you have to focus on. It's so important that you, you, you try and make that dream happen because we are here for a short amount of time. Um, and also there are people in this world that are depending on you being successful and you making your dreams happen in order for them to make their dreams happen. So when you actually take yourself out of the equation and think about um, how you can serve others, I think that helps a little bit as well, you know, with with just looking at the bigger picture, because sometimes we can be so short-sighted and, and, and narrow-focused but there's always so much more of a bigger picture to it. So mm. that's a mm. question I always asked. If money was no object, you've got a million pounds in the bank, what would you do? Mm. Mm. Very, very good question. And I guess the kind of halfway house is if you are wedded to um, a particular job, you're in this career and you know there's no way, you know, you couldn't you couldn't leave it because you could not not have that salary coming in. The halfway house could be that if you have the energy and the strength and the drive to kind of tinker away at whatever that dream is, evenings, weekends, or if you get a holiday, go and, you know, take that vacation time to do something that is working towards your your dream. I think that's probably one of the ways that you can kind of keep yourself buoyant then. Um, when I think about people who are dressmaking or, you know, a friend who's just come back from two weeks in Ecuador um, you know, volunteering, working with young children and stuff like that. It's something that she's always wanted to do. And then it's like, when do I do it? So she, you know, took holiday and did it. Um, and now she's come back. So like, 
full of life. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, so yeah. that's a halfway house if you want to try and pursue something that you think is your purpose, but you still need to do the day job in inverted <laughs> commas. It's a tough one, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, so then, yes, you wear many hats. Um, but let's wind the clock back a bit and find out about your early life. Um, where are you from? What was your upbringing like? Okay, so I was born in London, Wembley, and um, I am one of three children, so I'm the youngest. And it was a difficult upbringing, if I'm honest. My um, my mum uh, divorced from my father when I was five years old. He was abusive. And um, yeah, it was not a very good relationship at all. I must admit, I can't remember a lot about it. And maybe I've blocked certain things out. I don't know. But um, yeah, it wasn't a great relationship. So my mum ended up putting us into a children's home. So we were in a children's home for about a year. And she moved to rugby just to try and uh, find somewhere for us to be. Um, so she had family there. So she moved to rugby to try and get back on her feet and um, find a job and everything. So after a year, she we all went up to rugby. So my schooling and everything was based in rugby. Um, and it was difficult because my mum still had the scars of the abuse from my, from my father. Um, so she was quite harsh. Well, I say quite harsh. She was. Very <laughs> <laughs> she was a strict, strict, strict mum. Really? Yes, wow. <laughs> yes, yes. I think um, if, you, if you attempt to do some of the things she did to us now, I think uh, you can, you know, you'll wow. end up in court. <laughs> really? Okay, because yeah, back yeah. in the day, it was very different, wasn't it? And it was. uh, before smacking was outlawed and all that sort of exactly. thing. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So okay. yeah, so it was quite challenging, quite difficult. And so by the time I got to 18, I just wanted out. I just needed to go. I just wanted to go. And that's literally what I did. I moved myself back down to London, uh, bright lights, big city. Um, my mum was a singer and I'd always wanted to be a singer. So our, our family are very musical. We all love music. And so I uh, uh, moved back down to London at 18. Wow. Um, uh, trying to trying to kind of like get into music and singing. Now, I'm no great singer, but... Um, you tried, I, though. I, yeah, you know? Some people dream, dream of that and don't even... Don't even do anything about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And and it's so funny, you know, Marvin, because when I actually look back, I know we'll kind of touch on the celebrity stuff a bit later, mm -hmm. but when I actually look back now at my life and the um, attempts I would make to meet some of my um, favourite celebrities and musicians, um, to connect with them and let them know that I sing and this, that and the other, it's just been a whole... Um, it's been an interesting journey for me because that seems to be the kind of um, area that God has kept trying to plant me into. So, you know, I know you know that the celebrity people that I meet and, and, and all of that. But um, if I actually rewind the clock to when I was even younger than that, because I hate to admit it, but I used to be a big Bross fan. Hey, listen, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Cry, did you see the documentary? I did, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, Best I piece of them. television in ages, oh, that was. Oh, no, man, wow. look, I love them. Me and my friend used to bunk off school. Yes. And we used to, every time I would say, we're going to see them, we are going to see them. And we did. We would find them every <laughs> single time. And we even missed a train back to rugby oh. one time because, yeah, <laughs> we missed school. <laughs> Brilliant. But I think now, looking back, that was the determination that I always had mm. um, back then to either, you know, accomplish something, meet somebody, um, follow my dream. And um, it's just been interesting when I actually reflect back 
to those days mm. of um yeah when I when I wanted to do something yeah, I, I would yeah. find a way to do it you would it. find a way still doing it now so yeah. you went for the bright lights big city 18 did that work out or not or what happened what happened for um you? yes and no mm. in the sense of um I did end up meeting you know some some fabulous people like Mariah Carey and Bobby Brown and and and, and I shared the story it was so funny I shared the story wow. in an event that I talked to how I actually met Mariah Carey and my thought process behind it um so in a sense yes I managed to kind of like meet certain people and position myself in certain places but just going back to what we were saying I think I still wasn't 100% sure I my pa- I love music and my passion was my music and I I wanted to sing but now, fast forward, kind of like 20, <laughs> later, 27 yeah. years later, um, and, you know, singing is not, you know, my main calling yeah. or anything. But um, but those skills that I learned along the way, even when I set up the travel company, I used to live in Rome and I set up a travel company when I came back to London. And just all the skills that I gathered together from... Um, um, trying to step out I think I think that proved successful mm-hmm. um, in in the you know in what I was trying to do so okay. so yeah I think so so you got yourself to London um, and you you talk about your travel company and so on um, and then you, came, you you spent that time in Rome and then came back to London at what age were you when you came back to London uh, I think I was about 24. Okay, around, so around still 20. early 20s. Yeah. You were like, you were out. You were out and about going, and, yeah. And yeah. you know what, Marvreen, I don't know where it's come from because it's not like my mother's entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. My dad certainly isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, similar to my brother, he's a little bit like that. My mm. sister certainly isn't. So mm. I have no idea where this kind of entrepreneurial Some, spirit I think sometimes it just... From. It's just there, isn't it? Yeah. It's just, you know, people say, oh, you know, uh, I do this because my mum or dad did it or whatever. But sometimes, you know, you're just given, you're just given, just given a gift, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's whether or not you use it, uh, whether or not you choose to kind of follow it, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So is there anything else you want to tell us about, you know, your story through your early life? Going back to kind of like childhood, yeah, yeah. Or, or, I suppose or, so. We've so we've done so we've done your childhood. You've got to London. Okay. You've decided music probably not for you. So what was the decision then? Um, you know, how did you go from that into travel? How did you get from there to Rome? What was the yeah? What was uh, the plan? Well, really, that that was more of a Italian having an Italian boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So, so that always helps. You move um, for love. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I ended up in Rome. And then um, I just I saw an opportunity. And I always say to people, I can, I can smell an opportunity a mile away. Mm. I'm one of these people who, but I'm one of these people who sometimes it's a gift and sometimes it's not a gift. So I can totally, I'm very much a right brain person. So if people are right brain they'll, they'll, and creative, they'll, hopefully they'll understand where I'm coming from in the sense of, we we see so much and we want to do so much but sometimes the problem with that is um you can't do everything at the same time so 
that's why it's so key to know your purpose and to really understand what's your lane. What is it that you were supposed to be doing and focus on that? Because sometimes you can have shiny syndrome over here and, oh, I want to do this over there. And then, oh, there's an opportunity. I want to do that. And and I am very much guilty of, of doing that. So I think in my early years and like in my 20s, it was just a case of maybe I saw the opportunity with starting the travel company. So I just went for it and gave it a go. So what's that, like a travel agent? Yeah. Or? So I, when I was living in Rome, I would end up, um, I was working for a tour company and they would give giving tours around the Vatican and the Colosseum and things, which is fantastic. Um, I was more doing the admin to that, not giving the actual tours. But when I had to move back to London, I thought, oh, well, why can't I be like an agent for them? So I'll promote and sell their tours from London. Right. Yeah, and, and do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what I did. So that's how I um, that's how I started. How long did you do that for? I did that for a couple of years. And um, I just want to give a shout out, actually, to the Princess Trust. Ooh. Because they believed in that idea and they believed in me and they gave me an opportunity and they funded me to you know get that off the ground so I am forever grateful to the Prince's Trust for the support that they gave me and I just um, I try and support them as much as I can I visited four of their different centers last year um, to help you know encourage the young people and to um, give them some advice and, and and some motivation so yeah I love organizations like that that that's one of the best organizations out. really that has come out of um, out of the monarchy um, just the help that young people with a business idea can get yeah. to get them off the ground and and, and and even more important now when we're when we're in a time where um, you know, entrepreneurship needs to be boosted because when you look at some private companies and the problems that private companies are having at the moment and declining retail and all the rest of it, it's like, well, what am I going to do? Uh, maybe I do need to start my own business, but it's not that easy without um, without financial assistance and business support, is it? Yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. I wasn't clever enough or entrepreneurial enough. Uh, entrepreneurial enough. I can't even say the word. Hang on, hang on. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> entrepreneurial it's because I've got a lisp um, I wasn't clever enough to have a business idea at th- that young age um, no I, squan- <laughs> I squandered my 20s basically and didn't do a fat lot I genuinely that's just a whole other story so well done you, oh, um, you. so then um, uh, property oh, yeah what's the what's the cat- catalytic story then about you buying your first property you alluded to it earlier tell yeah. us about that okay so I bought my first property in London um, which is obviously wow. the best place what? to buy it. at that time was property in a boom uh, then even then or no well well the property I bought was ex-local authority mm. so it's always a fantastic opportunity because you have that massive reduction. Mm. So I basically was living in a two bedroom um, flat with my daughter and the government were offering it on the um, right to buy scheme. Mm -hmm. And when you get offered a two bedroom flat in London, zone two for £60,000, you take it. Take it. Oh my days. So, and my neighbour was even smarter than me. She bought hers a year or two before for £35,000. Oh my goodness, I'm dizzy. And I tell you what, Marvreen, (laughs) what was interesting was I then tried to buy all the neighbours' properties. (laughs) 
<laughs> Look at you, property mogul. Well, I, I could I could just Good. see the opportunity, yeah, but they yeah. were like, mm, and I said, no, you know, we'll share 50 50, mm. wh- whatever. Mm. Um, but they, they were like, no, no. And I'm like, are you crazy? Wow. This is, is 60,000 in London, zone two. Two bedroom. It's crazy. Hello. Yeah. You know. So I can only imagine that the values um, now, which is fantastic. So you knew it was yeah. a good investment. Exactly. Um, and you said it was for up to to you. You then what rented it to, to a lady to well, stay in. Well, or? that particular property. Then I ended up having to move out of um, London. So um, I moved out of London when I got very sick. Um, but part of my reco- after I recovered. I ended up getting a job as an estate agent in rugby. And um, I ended up meeting this lovely lady in church who really helped me get better and because she had nowhere to live. And I had literally sold a house to somebody else, but they pulled out of the sale. But it was a really good house and it was a really good buy. So I thought, you know what? She needs somewhere to live. I'm going to buy that house for her. And um, yeah, so I did that a few times for people that I saw had a need and needed somewhere to live. And um, I ended up with eight houses, one of which is an eight bedroom house that I'm turning into a women's home. Um, So I'm in the process of trying to raise the funds to be able to do that. Where where is this property? That's in rugby as well. That's absolutely outstanding news. Absolutely outstanding news, and you've got to keep us um, posted with exactly what's happening there. And um, bless you, because there are so many women who are in need. There aren't enough refugees. There have been obvious cuts to, um, you know, those organisations who do help women in need, fleeing a situation for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Um, So incredible. Thank you. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, so that's how I kind of fell into property, as I say. Yeah, yeah. It was never a conscious decision to buy houses and be a property investor and a landlord. That was not what I was trying to do. But mm. I just saw the need and I saw that I'd been positioned in a in a place where I could help that person. So it was my job to help that person. So, yeah. <gasps> You're a wonderful soul. <laughs> You're a wonderful soul. Um, so... You've alluded to it several times. We're going to go for it. Um, I've got, you know, Big Bridge. Let's talk about, um, you know, one of your la- your one of your largest obstacles. Um, I'll let you take the lead on this. You tell me as much or as little as you want about the time when you were sick. Yeah, sure. So basically, I um, had a nervous breakdown. It was about. 17, 18 years ago now, so when I was 30. And um, I was in I was in a really bad relationship, but it's so interesting because I never looked at it as an abusive relationship and domestic violence because there was never, you know, physical blows or anything, but there were verbal, which is abuse. Mm. So um, it was a relationship that I didn't really want to be in after about six months. I knew it wasn't really the right one, but because he was so controlling, I couldn't get myself out of it. And so in the end, my health just deteriorated and deteriorated because of the stress. Um, and at one point, I even had the police breaking down my door looking for him. What? Yeah, because he was selling drugs. Oh, my God. Yeah, so as you can imagine... Um, How frightening, frightening that must have been. Yeah, frightening. So I realised, you know, I realised before, but I couldn't get myself out. But 
my health was just absolutely rock bottom. So I started getting um, anxiety, having panic attacks, depression, and um, went to the doctors for help. And obviously, you know, um, they tried to put me on antidepressants and things. And um, I tried, I tried everything. I tried Chinese herbal remedy. I tried acupuncture. I tried everything, but I just could not get myself well. I just couldn't. And at this time, were you still in the relationship? Were you living with this yeah, guy? Yeah, he was still there. Mm. He was still there, but it was close to now him going. Mm. Um, but the damage had been done, really. And do you know what? I actually, I actually don't blame him because I always think that things happen for a reason and I always think that there's maybe something that happened a long time ago and this is really just the result the physical result of everything that has been manifesting for such a long time so I I, I honestly believe that things go back to your childhood you know some mm. things that happened way way back that you just lock up inside of you and mm. you just it just you think you're okay but you're not really and then something happens where the rug gets pulled underneath you and that's it, you're flat out, you know. So I didn't blame him. I thought it was something else going on. But at the actual time, obviously, you can't figure, you, you don't yeah, know that. Yeah, you don't really you're know that. so deeply in a situation. And as you were saying, you know, you went, to the, you went through all those kind of um, emotional issues that you, you wouldn't have been able to see almost like the wood for the trees and figure out what who's to blame, is it me to blame or whatever. You're just feeling how you're feeling in that moment, aren't you? Yeah. And, um, it, and it was just so bad that I couldn't even leave the house. So mm. that was my issue. Obviously, I've got a daughter and I'm having these panic attacks and I can't even leave the house. So um, that was more the concern for me is how on earth do I... And how old was China then? China was about um, seven, mm. eight... Yeah. So did, I, I, did that have any kind of Im impact on her? Did you see that any impact on her? Because obviously you're needing to get her to school or were, were you asking for help for people to get her to school and so on? Yeah, yeah. So I'd call on some help from some friends nearby that would help me. On her, no, she doesn't really remember any of it. Thank the That's Lord. That's a blessing, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank the Lord. She doesn't remember any of it. Um, so, yeah, it was difficult. It's a difficult enough thing to handle on your own, but when you've got children as well, that makes it doubly tough. So, um, and describe for me, if you can, then. So you you wouldn't you recognised and acknowledged that the the emotional um, issues that you were having. So, at what point then was it diagnosed as a breakdown, and what happened, or what did you have to do? Yeah. Um, so I think that because. I kept going to the doctor saying I just don't feel well and they were trying everything. They were trying therapy and everything. And then in the end, it, it was obvious that, you know, the, the, the body has shut down and um, it's a breakdown and it's anxiety and with depression. And um, like I say, they tried to put me on the antidepressants, but I don't know. You know what I actually did? I actually took the prescription and I went to the chemist and I gave them the prescription. And strangely enough, the lady turned around and she said to me, oh, do you know that these tablets are given for, also used for people that have epilepsy? Oh. I'm like, okay, well, don't have epilepsy, so fine. So I kind of just dismissed it in a, in a way, you know. But something told me not to take the tablets. So I, mm. I, I actually did take them from the pharmacy and I put them in the drawer in the kitchen and I just left them there. I didn't physically take any. I just left them in the drawer. But at the same time, I got introduced to... God and because that that I get that was like my 
I don't know where else to go. I've yeah. tried everything. I don't know what else to try. So somebody kept saying to me, come to church, come to church. I'm like, what is church going to mm. do for me? I'm, that ain't going to help me, you know. But I just didn't know what to do. So I said, all right, I'll come, I'll come. And over, let's say, a few weeks, I started realising, oh, there might be something in this. But the actual turning point for me was when she'd given me a Bible, this lady. And one morning, I saw that the book Bible was open and it was talking about the um, parable of where Jesus heals the epileptic. Ooh. Ding. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I thought. And I was like, okay, I know now I know you're there. Because <laughs> that's too right? much of a coincidence mm. for me to think, hang on a second, now I know you're there. So I took the tablets out the drawer and I threw them in the bin. Wow. Yeah. And from then onwards, I've never taken a tablet. Um, and it's purely been me depending on my faith to get me to where I am today. But it wasn't, I know Jesus and, and God can heal you miraculously, but he didn't do that for me. <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, I know you can do that. So why aren't, why can't you do that for me? But he didn't do that for me. So I still ended up having to move to rugby to go and live with my mum to get myself well. Um, and... You know, I was just saying about how I think some things come from your childhood. I think what he was trying to do was try and mend some of the issues. Because, of course, I tried to escape mm. from my mom. And we all tried to just go because, you know, the upbringing wasn't the best. But you can run away and you can run away and run away. But you're going to have to go back to where the original source of the problem is at some point. <laughs> I tried running away to Rome and he brought me right back to rugby. <laughs> It's really interesting, you know. You said <laughs> you went to Rome, straight back to rugby. <laughs> nope, you got to heal those divisions. All right, you got to get home. Um, and so, just going—well, not just, but going home, being involved in the church. Um, did you have no other um, medical intervention at all? No, you decided no, this wasn't for you. You felt your faith was what was best and what worked for you to get you through that period what sort of what sort of time did it take for you how long did it take for you to feel better um I definitely felt like I tried everything I could and I just felt like okay I'm gonna try God it was as simple as that I don't know what else to do so I'm gonna try God so when I went back home um, my mum is in the church and she introduced me to some people in the church um, and that gave me a lot of encouragement, gave me a lot of strength. I was still struggling to leave the house. So one of the key things that my mum said to me was just walk from the front door to the gate. That's all you've got to do today. Just go from the front door to the gate, small steps. And then a week or two later, just try and go from the front door to the end of the road. And then just try and go a little bit further. And honestly, I honestly think that that, in itself well, saved my life because it's those small steps. Even when I think of anything in life where if you're starting a business or anything, it's about those small steps. We get so overwhelmed, but you just have to take it day by day, step by step. And that mixed with my faith and the people in the church that supported me, that helped me, that were praying for me, that's really what has got me to where I am today. And, and can I just say, the, the depression left quite a while ago. So I had the depression, but after, I say a while ago, but I had it for a couple of years. But the anxiety, oh my days, 
the anxiety. Honestly, it how just, does it manifest itself? <clears throat> it's just that you can't breathe and you can't think straight and you've got foggy head. And even when I would like go on a train, when those doors would shut, I'd be freaking out because I just knew I couldn't, I just, you know, on, uh, I can't even describe it now because I am so much better than what I was. But it has literally taken me years for that anxiety. And, and I think that's a testimony to God because I've been leaning on him and trusting him that I may, I'm going to be I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be all right. So whatever it is you want me to still do, start the business, um, buy the property. Honestly, I look back now and think, how did I manage all of that? Because <laughs> yeah. I was so confused sometimes in my head and so afraid that I'm not even sure I managed to pull off some of the things I pulled. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, <clears throat> there was a, the hand of God was leading you, right? Yeah. Um, what what denomination? Um, Pentecostal. Okay. Because I was not brought up in the church, and so I always ask people what denomination. The rest of my family are on my cousin's side. Um, so that's my dad's, um, my dad and his brother's side, a Seventh-day Adventist. But bizarrely, our little, our little coal section, we did not, we did not go to church. It just, just wasn't my mum's thing. Um, so I'm always interested to hear about other people's faith experiences. Although I do believe I am spiritual. Um, mm-hmm. So you've got, you got through that huge obstacle. Um, what did you learn from that? What do you think? You know, what would you like other people to to draw from your experience? I think I touched on it about small steps. I think that's key. I think um, don't beat yourself up if you're not where you want to be and it's not working out how you want it to work out and you're frustrated and you're feeling low. Um, It's small steps. Just what's the one thing that you can do today? You know, whether if it's about business, who can you email? Who can you call? Um, What can you research? You know, um, if it's your health, can you just drink one glass of water? You know, can you just walk from here to the end of the road? So small steps is is so key for me. So there's that. Um, and I know we've already spoke about faith and belief. Obviously, you know, if you if you don't believe in God, then that, that that's fine. However you want to do it, whatever you want to do. But I just think to live in this world, um, we're not here on our own. That's all I want to say. We're not here on our own. And whatever that looks like for you with higher being or whatever you want to call it then just know that you are not on your own you're not on your own and support and the network surround yourself with people that encourage you that inspire you that are cheering for you and just can see what you can't see because when you're in the middle of something you really can't see how it's going to turn out. And I remember my pastor saying, just lean on my faith. Just lean on, I know your faith is very small right now, but just lean on my faith. So, you know, just surround yourself with people that can see the bigger vision and know that things are going to work out for you and are there cheering you on. Yeah. Wow. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. So... Sir Richard Branson and Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> Just going to lay those two names out there, Natalie. Okay, so uh, I hope you're listening because you've got incredible stories about meeting these phenomenal people. 
Let's have the story. <laughs> Who should we have first? Who should, it should be it should be um, Queen Oprah, should it not? <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, Oprah. What can I what can I say? You know, as much as I have loved Oprah and the whole world loves Oprah, never really in my wildest dreams did I think that I would actually be able to meet her and have a connection with her and her people. But um, short, I'll make it short. Um, when I started time with Natalie. I never thought I would be like interviewing people and creating this online show and all this and the other. Now, in my head, I always think when I'm starting something, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. But I'm <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> like, I'm just going to do this thing. Yeah, I just don't know what I'm doing, but I need some help. I need a mentor. I need a mentor. Okay. You want me to start? God, you want me to start this chat show? I need some help. I need a mentor. Right. Oprah. Oprah needs to mentor me. So it started this whole journey of how do I get to Oprah? And (laughs) I started noticing that Oprah does these events and they are fantastic events, always in America. She never comes to England, very rarely Mm. used to come to England, but she does these events. So I would fly to America, fly to America, fly to America, fly to America, attend all her events, promote everything she does. Wow, but you were like, I still haven't met her yet. Why is it cheap? And, and, and you know what? It's interesting because it kind of, after a while, it got beyond that. It was, yes, you want to meet Oprah, but it wasn't like the, it wasn't so, um, it wasn't the main thing. It wasn't for the me. be all and end all. Because yeah. I imagine the incredible women you met at these events, right? Honestly, honestly. <laughs> and just being able to share these events with people that can't go. So I was filming them and videoing them. And yeah, wow. so it's all on my YouTube channel. Um, but God, in his grace and mercy, somehow I ended up being connected to Oprah's makeup artist, Derek. Wow. Derek and, uh, and I have now become friends. <laughs> I, I know we haven't got a lot of time, so I'm not going to go through the whole Oprah thing. That in itself is a story, and I'll share that another time. But I did end up meeting her in a way that I never thought I would. But for me, it was still about... People say to me, well, why didn't you have a picture? And I'm like, because it's not about a picture. Mm. A picture's great for a little while. You'll get more likes and everybody would think, yeah, great, fantastic. But there's work to be done. I want her to remember me and not just, oh, there's a picture. There's a selfie person. Yeah, I want her to remember me because there's work to be done. So... um, so yeah, so that's kind of how I, I met Oprah. But what did you say to her? What did she say to you? We need to know about no, the conversation. There, honestly, there was no big, there was there was there was no big conversation. There was no big. She she. Um, it was hello, right? It was hi. yeah. Oh, no, it was it would have been hi. Yeah. <laughs> I was freaking out because I I was where she was. I knew she was there. I was with Derek, and she was literally sitting the next table to me. So I was absolutely freaking out as to what to do, you know, but. She came over to us, and that in itself is God. Yes. In my city, in London, so I'd been flying back and forth and back and forth to America, but God arranged the meeting in London. Whoa. Um, and it was a hi and how are you, and it was a short conversation, um, and because Derek was there, so she was having a conversation with Derek, and that was it. But and I know that, that I know I'm going to meet her again, but for a bigger purpose, you know. Because, mm. like I say, we've got work to do. How did you feel? Describe to me. Was your heart racing, <laughs> or were you very calm? Because I think you're kind of either or yeah. in those situations. Yeah. What were you? Yeah, I think I was. It was. I think I was calm because I was freaking out for 15 minutes when I saw she was at the table next to me. So that's when I was like, Oh my gosh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And. I kept thinking, what do I do? And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do nothing. I'm here with Derek. 
He's my friend. He's fantastic. I love him. I'm just going to stay with Derek. And when she got up and came and spoke to me and spoke to him and I was like, God, you're just, you're, what can I say? Awesome God. <laughs> yeah. Right? What can I say? Wow. And so a part of that, just quickly backtrack very quickly, was that I took 17 women from the UK and South Africa to Los Angeles to Oprah's event. Because I was always going to these events on my own. Mm. So I'm like, oh, no, I want to share these with people. So I took these women and that story is a drama. Honestly, is a dra- <laughs> I'm telling you, when you're on the verge of something great, there are things that are going to come to test you and try you and challenge you and stop you. And when I invited, I put a shout out on my social media. I'm going to Oprah's event. Anybody want to come? Because they're fantastic. You should come. The first person that responded was this lady. And it just turned into a complete nightmare drama. It was just so sad. It was so stressful. It was so bad. But the flip side of that was so much light and goodness and... Uh, it was just it was just incredible what 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 God did. It was just incredible. So I just wanted to say that to encourage people that to just keep going because when the battle gets really tough is when the breakthrough is coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I was blessed that I was able to take all these women. That was amazing. What year was that? Oh my gosh. Um, she doesn't do those events anymore. No. So I suppose because she's so busy with own, isn't it? Exactly. Like yeah, <laughs> I feel like it was something like 2012 or uh, yeah, around yeah. that. I was going to say it was earlier this decade, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And you're a friend like of Sir Richard <laughs> Branson as well. <laughs> have you, you've been to Necker Island, right? I have. Yeah. Jeez. And uh, I was in uh, invited to his safari lodge in South Africa last year and that was just the trip of a lifetime with, with how many other people there were about 17 of us that's amazing that's a small group so goodness me what what, what were the other people like who were there oh they were fantastic honestly all business people yeah. entrepreneurs yeah all entrepreneurs all business people um i whenever i'm around these kind of people imposter syndrome starts coming in I have oh. I'm like I don't know why I'm here I haven't created a but you earn the right multi- to be there don't you you do yeah. you do you do and 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 I do believe that God positions you there for mm. a reason so no matter how you get there you're meant to be there but you know when you're there and like these people have created million dollar million pound businesses and mm. they're doing this and they're changing the world and they're selling all these things and they're just like I'm like oh my god how did you get over that there? how did you get over that cried a bit mm. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie I mm. cried a bit um but then I had to just tell myself like you just said I deserve to be here I'm not here by accident yeah everybody's got a perspective on something my um the reason I'm here is different to why you're here to why you're here and I'm here for a reason so um, I just have to keep telling myself that it's difficult sometimes when you're hearing all these stories and then you're sitting with the Richard Branson who is the most normal lovely amazing guy ever so it's never him that makes you feel no <laughs> like it's, that. it's, it's, a, it's our own, own yeah. brains isn't it yeah so he genuinely is a nice guy mm-hmm you sure about that? And it's shy. Of it's like everyone, <laughs> no, but you know, everyone's really curious always about these people who are super famous and super rich and like, what are they really like? 
Um, so yeah, he, he's a good guy. He is, you know. And How much be... time do you spend with him? Oh, um, quite a bit because he was in our safari jeep a few times. So we were actually out on. I've never been on safari, so I don't know how you top that. Whoa. I don't know how you top that safari with them. Twice a day, we're going out, seeing all the animals. Incredible. So he was in our jeep a few times. We had dinner with him, breakfast, lunch. You know, you chat with him. Um, it's just it's just normal. He's around. You just have a chat. I'm trying. I'm finding it really hard to like unlock my jaw because my <laughs> mouth is literally like constantly open with these amazing moments that you're describing here. And it, I, I love hearing these moments from you because they they thrill. I almost feel like we're going on that journey with you as you're oh. as you're talking to talk, telling us about them because I'm like feeling this thrill in my soul. Like I, wow, oh, bless must you. been so so breathtaking. It was. Yeah. It was. And sometimes I struggle to share. Like there's so many stories like this that I can share and I don't because unless you know me then you don't know I'm not bragging this is not about me this is when people ask me how I meet these people I'm like well the man upstairs you know it's, it's first and foremost is God because I don't I don't even know you know um, and I remember somebody saying to me I can do exactly what you do exactly the way you do it and still not get the result that you get and that is true sometimes yeah. some if something's for you it's for you but if you also think back to what I was saying about, well, I flew to America and Amer- I did actually, you know, um, put in a lot of effort, but that still doesn't guarantee you're going to meet Richard Branson. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and it's about the individual at the end of the day. It was very much about the individual and the purpose and the motivation and so on. Exactly. You know, th- that, that much is definitely a given. You are an incredible woman oh. and that's why you're here. This is so thrilled to have you here and for you to, to tell us all about your story. i tell you what I do want you to do for us is... Um, give us all your social media so that we now can stay in touch with you. Everyone listening can stay in touch with you and follow your journey and get on some of these events that you're planning. You've got a few that you're doing this year and you're obviously planning into next year as well. So across social, let's really break it down. Your website is timewithnatalie.com. Are you on other social media as well? Oh, yeah, I'm on everything. So everything is under Time with Natalie. So YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, Pinterest. Great. Are uh, you on LinkedIn yet? I LinkedIn am on. Yet? I must admit, that's probably the platform I use the least. Okay. Wh- wh- which is the one <laughs> but, uh, that we can stalk you on and find you the most and DM you and you'll reply with it? <laughs> Which one, which one is it? Well, it'll probably be Natalie Louise Brown. So if you search me on under Natalie Louise Brown, um, you'll probably find me on that. But otherwise, all my other social is Time With Natalie. My website is timewithnatalie.com. Marvellous. Thank <laughs> you so, so Aww. much. It's been great spending yeah. time with you. <laughs> and um thank you so so much really appreciate it have you enjoyed it i have loved it this is so out of my comfort zone because i'm used to asking the questions and and i'm like oh gosh you know having to think off the top of my head and everything freaks me out but i have oh it's been wonderful it's oh i have loved it thank you so much for having me thank you it's so good so good and uh, i'm looking forward to being at one of your events soon natalie thank you Wow, she is amazing. She met Oprah Winfrey and Sir Richard Branson. Fantastic. 
Let me know what you think about this edition. You can come and say hi on Instagram or Twitter at Fab Woman Podcast, all one word. The hashtag is exactly the same, Fab Woman Podcast. And also you can find all the ways to connect with Natalie on the description. She would love to hear from you. Hope you come back again. The Fabulous Woman Podcast is a Raging Brum production. Oh, 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 o